Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is in Scripture because it happened. That's it. It's not in Scripture because God wanted it to happen. It's not in Scripture because God commanded it to happen, that, that God ordained it to happen. It's in Scripture because it happened. We need to understand that the Bible is a historical book as much as it is the Word of God. And while it is the Word of God, God is not going to shield us from the things that we don't like. So on top of that, just thinking this week, and I, I grew up in church my entire life. Thank God my parents you know, got that, that foundation in me at least early. Uh, not that it kept me from a lot of things that it should have kept me from if I was more obedient. Uh, and, and I guess I'll, I'll lead it with this here. I was thinking back to over my course of, of church I grew up in and churches that I had uh, visited and stuff as I began to get out on my own a little bit. And I'm pretty sure I can count on one hand. Now, this could be because I wasn't paying good enough attention. So give that disclaimer to the pastors uh, that I've been under. But I can count on one hand how many times we've talked about sexual things in church on a Sunday morning. And I only point that out because people are going to hear last week and the week before last week, and they're going to hear this week and, and some stuff to come, and they're going to wonder, man, why is there always talking about this sex in church? And I'm just going to say this, because it's in Scripture. I mean, does that make sense just as God's people? What makes us think that we should shy away from something because it makes us uncomfortable if it's in the Word of God? We do not shy away from something that's in the word of God because we don't like it, because it, it makes us feel funny, uh, because it might harm things. I'm going to be honest with you. I fully believe part, part of, because the only thing we've really changed, just so we're all on, on an understanding, the only thing we really changed was Sunday school and kids' haven, as far as our mandatory things that had to change, okay? And I fully believe that our kids may have been with us in this Sunday, the Sunday before, and this Sunday today, and, and maybe future Sundays for the sole reason of having them say, Mom, Dad, what the heck was Pastor talking about? And you to be forced to talk to your children about stuff that you should have already talked to them about. Okay? So I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I love you guys. You know, and, and it's been awkward conversations for me, me, me and my son, and, and very shortly we'll have the second son join us. We have porch time now. And porch time is where we have our man talks. Um, and, and, and whatever it is, it could go anywhere. And I'm okay with that. And I like that. Um, it is some awkward moments. And, uh, last night when we decided to have porch time as a family reading this chapter again, uh, it, it was, it was awkward to read when you're looking at your little nine year old girl and, and your 10 year old son and your 11 year old son. Okay. So, but, I, but I did it. Yeah. That's not to toot my horn because in all honesty, we had, we had messed up and gotten a little bit away from our reading like we should have, uh, for a period of time. And the God convicted me of it. And here's where I almost made a mistake. So maybe you're like me. I said, Lord, this probably isn't the chapter you want us to get back on track with right here. And you better believe the Lord punched me in the gut like I ain't never. And, and I told him while we was eating dinner, I said, we will read tonight no matter what. <laughs> so we had it on porch time and, uh, and we got through it. We're OK. They're still kicking. They're still here. They're smiling a little bit right now. Uh, so it didn't end their lives. OK, so so awkward things in Scripture aren't going to end your family life. Another thing I thought about, and I understand this because I'm going to get on men, and, and for you women who are filling the role of a, of a, of a daddy, you as well, uh, I understand that Father's Day is still a couple weeks, if not almost two months out. I don't even know when Father's Day is. I guess that's kind of bad but because you should be a good father year-round. Uh, anyway, so, so, so here's what it is. I think the Lord has used this to prompt us to become better parents, better fathers, before that special holiday. Okay, Father's Day is no different than like New Year. I don't know why we, we always think that New Year's first is like a, we're going to get right on January 1st. Why, why? Is it like more special than than any of the other days? Like, shouldn't you just get right when God tells you to get right? 
Oh, you know, not, not, well, God, you know, I appreciate you pointing that out and come the next holiday, I'll get right with you. No, that is not what the Lord is, is seeking out. Okay. So, so let's get in this thing. All right. And, and while we're laughing, here's some sad parts. I was going to do a lot of numbers and statistics, but we don't have time for it. And, and it's just heart wrenching. You can Google them yourself and check them out. But here's the one that stood out to me the most. One out of every four children will be sexually assaulted. And that number is growing because it was one in six less than 10 years ago. Now, if you, if you got any kind of math skills, you can figure out for, for a number to go from one in six to one in four in less than 10 years. That's phenomenal amounts of things that must be happening to make that percentage increase that fast when we're talking worldwide numbers. Okay, I only point that out to tell you how sad that is. And to point out this, we are most likely sitting in a room. And this is not to single you out. This is to let you know that there is grace, there is mercy, and there is healing at, at the end of this thing, okay? And, and the ending might not be today, but I'm talking about the ending of God's word, all right? We may be sitting in a room and most likely are sitting in a room with people who have experienced sexual assault in some sense. We need to acknowledge that. We need to be okay with that. We need to not make this an awkward thing where, where they feel, no, they are not no less of a child of God than any of us that have not been sexually assaulted or, or any of us that think we are high and mighty of anybody else. I just want to point that out because that's what this chapter deals with. And we need to address it rather than shy away from it and act like it's something that's not there and something that's not going on and something that doesn't exist. It exists. It is sad. And it is sick that it exists. But therefore, there is recovery because we have a God who wants us to recover from things like that that should not exist. OK. All right. Now that we're so we're all on the same page on this next one right here. That, that was some of us all on the same page. Have any of you ever been as dumb as me? Careful before you raise your hand. You knew something was wrong. You did it anyway, and then when it came time to pay the consequences or pay the, the price for what you did, you had the phrase, that really wasn't worth it, flash through your mind. I can probably, if I could get my feet up and tongue out and all that stuff, I'd probably get out because I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, real dumb, and I have to learn really hard ways, really hard lessons uh, to get through. So I've been there, and I've been there where, where I've had that phrase in my head, it's really not worth it. So everybody, look at your neighbor. If it's your spouse, if, it, if, it, if it's a child, if it's a friend, if it's a, whatever it is, look at your neighbor and tell them, no matter how good it seems, it's really not worth it. If you're at your house, you do the same thing. If you're alone, God bless you, you should come join us. No need, nobody needs to sit alone on Sunday morning. But you look in the mirror then, and you tell yourself, it may look like fun, it may be enjoyable, but it's really not worth it. Because it's not worth it, guys. And what we're going to see, as, as I've been talking about for last week, this week, and, and five more chapters. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Now, if you, some of you guys can, can relate with me. If you've ever preached a sermon or, or, or taught lessons from Scripture uh, in, in a consecutive order, you normally have something you look forward to. <laughs> like in a positive note, like, yeah. Like the first eight chapters of 2 Samuel. I'm like, yeah, David's been, David is the man. He's getting things right. He's repenting. He's, he's moving. He's a soldier. Da, 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 da. When you know you got eight weeks of bad stuff <laughs> to preach on, it gets tough. Okay? So you guys pray for yourself and pray for me. But here's, here's what we're on. We're on the ripple effects. That's why this morning is called ripple effects. We're on the ripple effects of sin. Another way I'd wrote it, written it down, crystal light ripple effects better, but collateral damage. We're on the collateral damage side of sin. And, and these effects will, will go on forever. Even the kids that they sat at the table and they, they heard the, the sermon titles and they said, well, 
were ripple effects. Isn't a ripple like that thing when you throw a rock in the in the water? I said, yes, the rock makes a big splash, but that ripple goes on and on and on and on and on and further than you probably want it to be. Guys, we need to stop the ripple effects. And it starts with us as parents. It starts with with us as, as children of God. And we're the ones that can make the stop happen. All right, so let's jump into this thing. You should already have it open. If not, 2 Samuel chapter 13. I just want to point out a small thing in verse 1 because it stood out to me. The scripture says this, in the course of time, or some of your translations may say over time, or some time has passed, or, or however it words. I just want to point it out for this right here. Amnon, son of David, falls in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister. And scripture says, in the course of time. Here's what I want you to see. What happened to Amnon didn't hit him all at once. This was not like a, a boom kind of thing. It probably started out as something very innocent. They grew up together. They saw each other. So it was maybe a smile, a polite word, a sharing of a joke, a laugh, a doing something together. And for those of you that have fell into sexual sin, most of the time it started out as something innocent. It started out as something small. It started out as a joke, as a smile, as a polite word, as a laugh, or doing something together. And oftentimes, whether we're talking sexual sin or innocent, temptation starts with a desire that's already inside of us that seems relatively harmless. But we let it escalate and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So this morning, before we even start, if you're thinking, I'm part of the the three-fourths that don't have any problem with, with sexual sin, that's not what I said. I said one in four will be sexually assaulted. I think if we were to get an honest statistic, we might be at 99% dealing with some sort of sexual sin. But anyway, if you are high and mighty, and that you think that, here's what I want you to ask. What have you fallen in love with over the course of time? What is your problem over the course of time? Is it money? Is it a person? Is it fame? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Because when I wrote this last night, I thought, you know, all of our temptations fall into those five areas. All of our temptations deal with money, a person, fame, power, and pleasure. Or somewhere along that, that line. So what's happening and why it's happening? Ripple effects of sin. Crystals did this chart for you. Check it out on, on, on the screen so you can keep up with me. And I want, to, I want you to understand what's going on. King David had taken more than one wife. Pastor, why is that in scripture? Because it happened. God did not ordain it. God does not want it. Everybody understand that. Everybody say, God does not want you to have multiple wives. Because there's dumb organizations and dumb people that say it was in the Bible. So therefore, that's what it was. No. It was in the Bible because man was too dumb to be able to control his own stuff. And that's the most polite way I can put it while we're all together. Okay? All right. So so because David had more than one wife, guess what also he gets? More than one child with probably more than one woman. And this is crazy hard to keep up with when you're really thinking about it, looking at it. So that's why I've asked Crystal to do. And here's the sad part about this chart. You can't read it at the very bottom. But you see, this is all David's actual wives. Okay, he's also got 19 concubines. At let me say that at least 19 concubines that aren't on this list. Okay, so you can imagine how many screens we would need of our TVs to to get this thing really going. You've got the children. You know, his first wife was uh was Saul's daughter. She didn't have any. Then you got the child from each of them under there. You've also got at least 10 other children that were with those 19 concubines. You want to know why David's got some baby mama drama and problems going on up in his house? You want to know why we try to tell you don't get married to more than one person? This is why. 
Could you imagine having to sit down with your kids and explain to them some of this stuff? Think, think if he was just sitting down with Solomon. Solomon hits 13. We know he's going to be the next king, or at least some of us in the room know that. Right? And, and let's just say Solomon like tomorrow also. Now tomorrow would have been a lot younger, you know, than him. So he would have had to say, well, well, technically Solomon, that's your sister. That's my sister. Dad, what do you mean that's my sister? Well, you know, I had this wife four wives before your mama and we had a dog. Could you imagine that kind of family conversation on the porch? I mean, that's porch time right there, right? We will not be having those kind of conversations on the porch because I was smart enough to only have one woman in life. All right. And three kids by that one woman. All right. But here's what I want you to do. So you see all the problems. We're going to get to each of these kids as we go on. Note, Solomon also has to kill his brother by Abitale. So it gets really ugly. But today we're at Amnon, Absalom, and Tamar. Okay? So, so we've got a son by one woman who is the firstborn son. So he is the prince. He is the man. Scripture also tells us that he's probably a good-looking guy. He's powerful. He can have anything he wants in life, any woman he wants in life. Yet he chooses this woman who's a couple women over and down that his dad had. You, you ever been, I know to, to us, this seems really disgusting and nasty right off the rip, right? Because we're like, well, hold on. You know, unless you guys are from Virginia. Now, some of you may be from there and you may not be thinking that way. But I'll keep you awake the whole time, I promise, right? But 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 in all honesty, as we're looking at this list and we're thinking about What's going on and what's happening? You and I are like, hold on, that's that's a problem. Does sin not ever cloud your judgment enough where you don't recognize the obvious problem with it? Notice what he says in here. Let, let's, let's go back to it, okay? We're through our chart. We're understanding who, who everything's going on. Amnon believes this. He says, I'm in love with her. He uses that word very loosely, like a lot of us, by the way. Now, the Hebrew word for love here does have multiple uh, uh, understandings of it. It's not just agape kind of love. It's erotic kind of love. It's, it's all the other types of love that the Greek word would separate more of, right? He can have all his choice. Yet he suddenly wants the one that he can't have. And I think a lot of us are like him. The one thing we can't have is the one thing we seem to want the most. Is it not? So much so maybe you guys can relate with me. I don't, I don't know about y'all. I don't have a lot of money. So when I go to the store, I got to pick the one thing I want. And generally how this process happens is I get to the store and I'm picking out the one thing that I want. But it always gets down to like two things that I want. And I don't know if you guys have been there, but I'm sitting there and I'm weighing the options of thing one and two. And about the time I finally pick thing one, I pay for it. I get out the store. No sooner before I even get to my car, I start having the thought that other thing would have been better. (laughs) Have have you been there? Am I just alone in this? Anybody else with me? All right. I have customers who, who are with me because if you guys are not, I will go preach at the tire store and, and let them know. They get down to two or three wheels and then they pick one. Ah, I really should have. You got it mounted, buddy. It's yours. Okay. It's, it's how we roll with it there. But, but we're like that. We're, we're like that sometimes. We, we want the thing that we can't have. And, and here's the sad part about this. Look at verse two. Here's his biggest problem. He just won't let this feeling inside of him go. Look at what verse two says. Amnon was frustrated to the point of making everybody underline this. I don't care if you write in your Bible or not. This is for everybody. Making himself sick. 
You could say and you could argue and I would be okay with you. I shared last week the reason sexual sin is, is or two weeks ago, I think the reason sexual sin is something you shouldn't play with is it's a God given desire. You can't outmaneuver a God given desire, man. Okay. You can think you as macho and as strong as you want it or woman, if that's your thing. Thank God there should be more of you. But you know, it, you know, if that's your thing, you can't outmaneuver that. You can't because it's a God given thing. God's saying you can't outdo my desire. Are you crazy? Right. Here's what his problem is, though. His problem is not that his sister is beautiful. It's not even that he's infatuated with her. That, that's a that's a desire to come about. It shouldn't have come about, but it did. His problem is he's now thought on this thing so much that he's made himself sick. She knows what I'm talking about. Amen. Right. He's made himself sick over this. Right. I want to make sure because some people are going to read this. And be like, I can't believe God gave me that much of an urge for her. No, he made himself sick. It says it right word for word, making himself sick over her. Hold on. We got a little bit more information from verse two that really breaks my heart over his sister tomorrow. Why is he making himself sick? It even says because she was a virgin. But I thought he just loved her. I thought he just loved her. If it was just love, why would her being a virgin have anything to do with why he's making himself sick? Because this isn't love. This is lust. This is lust. We sugarcoat stuff all the time and we try to make it sound better than it is. This is lust. And I'm going to tell you right now, girls or boys, if you're the one being tempted. When your partner, your future mate, your future, what, even if they're going to be your future, if they try to tempt you and say. That it's got to happen, that is not love, that is lust. Because love will wait. Okay. Love will wait. All right. So, so, so stay with me here. Now, don't just get mad at me because I'm reading what scripture says. All right. But here's what's going on and here's what's happening. And we need to understand this because he's bringing this on himself. Yet it also says this. And if you can't read between the lines, what it's saying is he can't do anything with her on the side because she's made a commitment. Evidently, she's made a commitment to be the woman Now we know how beautiful she is. Right. Think about this. Could you imagine being a beautiful woman and how many men she's probably had to beat off over the years? Now, she's got a lot of brothers, so maybe she called them. I don't know. And they took care of the beating off part. But she's beautiful. So I, I don't want to neglect the story and think, well, yeah, she's ugly. No, no she's gorgeous. She's drop dead gorgeous. OK, so so gorgeous. She's making dudes sick because of what he wants over this thing. Right. But here's the thing. And we don't get a lot about tomorrow. But here, here's one of the things we do get. She's a woman of faith and a woman of character. She's not the kind of woman that's going to compromise her morals and her values, even if it's the most prized bachelor in the kingdom. OK, she, she's not bending any rules, right? Our temptation, though, here's what happens. And here's what happens with, with Amnon and herself. Our temptation has this close friend that comes along. His name is bad advice. So when you got temptation coming and then you've got his close friend that comes along called bad advice, you are setting yourself up for trouble. Now, bad advice for temptation in this story is his own cousin, Jonadab. His own cousin comes along and he says, man. Now, here's also a sad part, because I told you I'm going to get on some of your dads to warm us up for, for June and July. Why did his cousin have to notice he was having a problem than his own daddy? Because daddy got 30 kids he can't keep up with. You can't give the attention to one child that deserves attention if you got 30 more and 10 baby mamas out there. OK, you seeing some of the problems? He's got a kingdom to run. He's so busy, he's neglecting his family. Now, I love David. I love a lot about him. 
I love his story, but I'm going to tell you right now, for the next eight chapters, he's a poor daddy. Okay? And that's the PG version I can put on it. Here's what happens, though. Verse 4, he looks at it and says, man, what's up? You're the son's king. He even acknowledges the fact, like, you're the man. You are the man. You are the next king of this kingdom. You ought to not be looking like this day after day. Nothing ought to have you down and out. Talk to me and I can help you. So he does. Another warning, spiritual lesson. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you share your deep, dark secrets and desires with. Not to say you shouldn't share them either. I'm saying be careful who you share them with. Okay? So he says, man, I'm, I'm in love. I'm in love with Tamar. My brother's sister. I'm not a rocket scientist. I don't have any scientific degrees. But if it's his brother's sister, what does that make her to him? What is it? It's his sister too, right? Y'all don't try to sugarcoat it by saying half sister. It's his sister. We ain't in Virginia, West Virginia, or North Carolina. We in South Carolina, right? It's his sister. Okay? You notice his wording, though. He doesn't call her my sister. That's Absalom's sister. Right? He's already beginning to sugarcoat this thing. And I can't even get next to her without these, these feelings happening. You've had a warning, then, is what he's saying. If you can't get next to somebody without these feelings happening, stay the heck away from them. Okay? Now the Bible says this. Jonah Dad was a very shrewd man, which means this. He knows how to get what you want. I instantly got on Jonah Dad because I'm really mad at Jonah Dad, and I'll tell you why in just a second. And I instantly, when Paxton asked last night, what does shrewd mean? I said, he's a conniving little twit. <laughs> Crystal corrected me. She said, it really just means that like he's smart, like he, he knows how to how to make things happen. He's he's shrewd. He's cunning. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. She's right. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Why would you take an ability, maybe even a gift that God's given you and use it in the wrong way? Jonadab takes this his gift he's gotten in the wrong way because, yeah, he can get what you want, but he doesn't have any more principles and he doesn't care who gets hurt along the way. And he thinks, what's the big deal? As long as you get what you need, my cousin, my brother, my friend, whatever. Right. Here's what verse four says. Oh, we already talked about that. My brother, Absalom's sister. Sorry. Here's the truth behind that. Write this one down. This is good, right? The power of lust is strong enough to twist the way you see reality. The power of lust is strong enough to twist the way you see reality. And it is. And that's what happens. So, so he goes on and Jonadab tells, tells his cousin, Oh man, that, that, that's nothing, dog. Don't worry about that. I can help you with that. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to bed. You're going to pretend that you're sick. When your father sees you, you're going to say, man, send tomorrow over here. I wanted to cook in front of me. I wanted to prepare those cakes in front of me. Evidently, she made really good cakes. I mean, I'm being serious. Can you imagine how good her cakes must have been for him to use that to tell the dad? And David said, oh, yeah, you know, tomorrow she does make those great cakes. I'll send her on over. Dumb father. What in the world? How can you not connect the dots? Right. So he sends her on over. She make, or, uh, uh, He promotes us. He says, now, when she gets there, you send everybody else out of the room. And, and then I, I think you know what to do from there. Right. Guys, mostly guys, yes, women also. First, first big lesson. Friendships between men that objectify women create a culture in which rape becomes not only thinkable, but actionable. Okay? Friendships between men that objectify women. It was the same problem David had with Bathsheba. What did he call her? Who's this? Woman. And then his servants are like, Oh, that, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's wife. That's somebody's mother. Like, like that, that's a person. Her name is Bathsheba. She has a name. No, he objectifies her. And then she sees her as nothing but an object of pleasure. Same thing right here. And when we surround ourselves with friends that we confide in 
and, and they promote that also. That is what makes you. Some of you are thinking, man, rape, that's unthinkable. No, when we say some of our dumb jokes and we surround ourselves with some of the trash that's on TV, we are who make rape not only thinkable, but actionable. Okay? We're the problem. Jonah Dabs are the problem. Jonah Dab is not an innocent bystander in this. No, he doesn't tell his cousin to, to go rape his other cousin. I didn't think about how weird that really got. Right? But, but what's he doing? He's deceiving. He's saying, deceive the king, man. Anytime deception is in there, it's probably wrong. Okay? He's also saying, man, manipulate tomorrow into the situation where, where it should be powerless against you and doesn't have any protection. Anytime deceit and manipulation come about, there's a problem. So ask yourself, where do you stand? Are you the guy that's going to take a stand against sexual assault and sexual problems in the world today? Are you the guy that likes to joke and wants to jump in with it and hear it so that you can share it with the next person? Or do you want, continue to watch that trash on TV so that they continue to get the ratings they need so they can keep producing this stuff? Where do you stand? It's clear by the end of this, which I don't want to spoil it, by the end of this, David's just sitting there doing nothing. Too many men are sitting there doing nothing. It's time for us to get up and do something. Men can no longer be bystanders while our male friends get consumed with lust and act as if it's no big deal. Jonadab should have got down in front of his brother and said, man, you got all the other women you can have. For God's sake, don't mess with your sister. But what's he do? Hey, man, if you pretend that you're sick and lay in bed, your dad's going to come check on you. You tell your dad you want your sister to come make some of them real good chocolate chip cookies that she makes. Cause gosh, she can make a cookie, right? And when she gets there, you send everybody else away, and then you know what to do with the chocolate chip cookies, right? Why can't we have men to get serious about sin and say, man, this is a problem? When your brother confiding you, maybe they're hoping that you're the last-ditch effort that you're going to be the one that tells them this is wrong. Right? And I'm not just talking about sexual sin. What about alcohol? What about drugs? What about all the problems, all the sin, right? What about anger? You ever had one of your friends? I, I get more this one probably more than the rest. You ever, man, I'd like to punch that dude. Let me tell you what he did. It was hard for me for a long time not to agree. See, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a Peter slash Absalom at heart. I, I want to get even too. And God giving me some abilities to get even. So, so like when somebody starts telling me that, I'm thinking, let's go get him, dog. But I don't need to do that. I need to put up a red flag. Dog, you can, God has brought you to me. And hopefully I'm the thing that's going to stop you. Let's sit down. Let's breathe. Let's loose all our ears, count to 10 and pray. Spoiler alert, because that's my last line. There's no prayer in this entire chapter. And I mean, there's a the problem. They never seek God's guidance of a solution. Maybe the problem you're going through right now is because you hadn't sought God for the for the solution. Right. Right. Even Reese gets it, guys. Even Reese gets we can't be innocent bystanders. We, we read the first first section. I said, all right, everybody's going to give me a lesson that they got from this. By the way, when you're doing that with the age group and a boy and two girls in a chapter like this, you pray while you ask what lessons you got. Right. Right. Reese's first thought. We don't need to be greedy with women. He said girls. We don't need to be greedy with girls. Man, I paused for a minute. I had to look at Crystal. And, wow, he got it. He got it. A 10-year-old got it. But Jonadab, his cousin, couldn't get it. Due to the influence of his friend, Amnon followed his friend's wicked advice and goes into this thing. Now, I'm not making an excuse for Amnon. I'm just saying Jonadab ain't off the hook. 
Because here's what scripture says all throughout. Not only in Proverbs 12, 26, where it says the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. There's some good advice, right? You would think they would know and follow that. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. What's it saying? Wicked friends lead to evil, evil ends. You want to know why your mom and daddy care who you hang out with so much? Because they will corrupt you. And if you get pulled over because Ding Dong had something, you all get charged for having something. It ain't fair. It ain't right. But it's the truth. Okay? That's why your mom and daddy cares so much who you with, what you're doing. And that's why you mom and daddy's coming up should be in your children's business. Okay? This should not be an old school thing. It should, it should no longer be, well, back in the day. No, it better be today. Today. I'm going to know every video, every text. Every phone call them little nutcase make if I got to sit up at night reading through all of them while they in bed. Hear it now, okay? You got an invasion of privacy happening up in your house. And I am not sorry for it. I will continue to do it for the rest of your lives until you pay your own bills and get out. Okay? But we don't do that. Yeah, but then my little girl won't be happy with me. Well, good. You want to turn it out like tomorrow? Oh, I'll slap you square in the face with it, right? You want to turn it out like Amnon? He's dead, by the way, by his own brother because he raped his sister. You, you want that or you want to get in your kid's business? I'm thinking maybe we should get in our kid's business, right? Amnon is facing a deadly duo temptation right alongside bad advice. And, 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 and he's probably getting to the point where he's saying, you know what? This is just too much for me to handle. Bull, that is a poor excuse that believers try to give all the time. Oh, you don't understand, man. It's just it's just too much for me to handle. Why? Well, I've read scripture. Maybe you should, too. And it says this, that God will not allow temptation to hit me with something stronger than he's given me the ability to handle. He's given me the ability to handle. It's stronger than I can handle. Don't don't try to sugarcoat it. You know, you ever notice how people sugarcoat that verse? Oh, God, will never give you nothing more than you can handle. Yeah, he will. Yeah, he will. Because if you can handle it, he don't need him. That's what gets him in trouble. That's 1 Corinthians 10, by the way. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit that I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Wow. He's flat out saying, I don't know if you guys caught that, by the way. I love this verse because everybody says, that Holy Spirit's like a new idea. Where? Where is it a new idea? Because it's in the Old Testament all over. Okay, just read your Bibles. Just study what it says. There, there's just a good example of it. He's flat out saying, I'm going to take out your old ugly worldly spirit and I'm going to put in my spirit. And my spirit's going to change the things that, that you like. She even said it in the argument. What did she say? No, brother, think about what you're going to do to me. Think about what you're going to do to yourself. And, and I'll give you a way out. Just go talk to daddy about it. She gave him a way out in the middle of this thing. But we want to say what? Oh, I don't have a way out. I just can't. You always have a way out. I tell men all the time to struggle with pornography or whatever. Throw the book away, turn the TV off, break the DVD. I don't care what you got to do. My favorite scene from, from what, what's the, uh, uh, fire, fireman marriage? Fireproof. Take a baseball bat to that computer. Do it. And if you let your neighbors see you do it so they know you're the real deal. That's the problem. We want to conceal everything. We'll get to that in a minute though. Let's keep going, right? What's happening here? Back to it. Amnon had, we don't, here's what happens between the verses. We don't get this. Amnon had to be thinking over this thing over and over and over again. Think about it. Jonah dad gave him the advice and he's just brewing it. We brew our sin into reality. We brew, when we brew, it ain't a Hebrew, okay? So there's, there's the problem. 
When we brew it, it ain't a Hebrew. All right? We, we brew sins into problems, into existence. If, if we would focus on the Hebrews, maybe, maybe we, we wouldn't have some of that, right? We read the book, read the letter, and studied some more of it, right? What's it say after he thought about it? Verse 6, he decided to do it. Please tell tomorrow my sister to come in. Notice how he sugarcoats this thing now, right? Now it's not Absalom's sister. Now it's his sister. Dad, will you just tell my sister to come take care of me? Man, we are so conniving with words, aren't we? Girls, please be careful of silver-tongued devils. Amnon's behavior was clearly childish. Are you watching this scene take place? Daddy, can you get my sister to come make me some muffins? No, that ain't it. That ain't even the worst part. And Daddy, I can't even get out of bed. Can she come feed them to me? Wah, wah, wah. What does David do? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Pause. Nobody say nothing. Boys, what would your daddy have told you? Come on. No, why? Son, I'm on Facebook Live. Don't disappoint me. Why? You're not a baby. Man up. I picked on him for wanting to ride a lawnmower with two acres of land. Push that joker. Man up. Mostly because tightwad didn't want to buy a lawnmower, but you know, that's beside the point. Right? What's David? What's Daddy David who fought Goliath, who I would think is a manly man, do? Okay, baby. I'll go get your little sister who I know is beautiful, and I'll make her stand in the kitchen and cook in front of you. David, you're an idiot. You've had the same problem in your own life. How are you not seeing the red flags? Don't let sin block your view of the red flags. Parents, friends, spiritual advisors are anywhere in between. Right? Right? He's acting like a man from this passage. And, and this isn't just this passage. This is other passages in this book and in David's life. David was a wuss of his father toward his children. He could get out there and beat up Goliath, but he couldn't reprimand his own children. You can nod your heads. Here's the reality. That's us sometimes. We can be as tough as we want to be to the world outside, and we're wuss of parents to our own kids. Maybe it's out of fear. Maybe it's out of guilt. I don't know. Right? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe David felt so much guilt. And I'm not giving him an excuse. I'm just giving you the reality of your sin. Maybe the ripple effect of having so many women and so many children and not being able to spend time with it had weakened his view where he thought, oh, I got to do what they need more than anything else. See, that's what sin does. It weakens you. It weakens you and it lessens your position as a father. So what does he do? He deals with the guilt by being soft. And he neglects. Because of whatever reason. And here's what Amnon does. Amnon takes Jonadab's wicked advice quickly and completely. And I couldn't help. First thing I wrote down this week. It's too bad us as men don't respond to godly advice with the same speed. No, Notice. No, we don't know how long he did that. Maybe it was a week. I don't care how long it was. But he stewed on it. And then he acted on it. What a difference it would make if men in today's world would stew on some godly advice and then act on it. But no, he does it on worldly advice. Now, I don't know what David's doing, but I'm thinking personally he's putting on intentional blinders. He doesn't want to see his same sin inflicted in his own child. He knows he's bringing a beautiful woman there to cook in front of him, right, and serve him. 
right there. What could he have done? Couldn't he have said, son, I don't know exactly what's in your mind, but let me tell you what was in my mind at one time. Parents, we got to be more aware. Sex bombards our children everywhere right now. Be more aware. David should have known better because of his own sin, his own struggle. Here's the problem we do as parents, though. And you got you got this is the fine line you got to walk now. But as parents, we try to hide all our sins. Oh, well, your daddy was perfect. My kids know daddy wasn't perfect. Okay, now we might share details and, and all that stuff. You don't have to. But you tell your kids where you failed so that you can pick them up so that they don't fall in the same hole you fell in. He could have said, son, I don't know exactly what you're planning, but let me tell you, it's not worth it. Here's how I know it's not worth it. Let me tell you, dot, 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 dot. And there's one of the biggest things that troubled our home. And here's what David does, and here's what a lot of us do. David never, never admitted his sin and his failure with his children. He never spiritually matured them. Let's let our children learn from our mistakes so they don't have to make the same mistakes. I don't want my kids doing the same mistakes they make. I, I hear it all the time when I when I sit down with, with somebody who's struggling with maybe a drug or, or a drink or something. They tell me, you don't understand. Daddy did it. Let me tell you what you don't understand. My daddy did it for 12 years. I can tell you what this stuff smells like. I can tell you how he made a crack kit, crack bite out of a, out of a can. I can tell you exactly what went on, okay? You ain't got to tell me I don't understand. I understand. I watched the mood swings that happened. I watched what it did to the marriage. I watched all of it. But let me tell you what also I watched. I watched my daddy confess it and teach me about it. I watched my daddy restore the marriage. I watched my daddy never poke another hole in a can to smoke something out of again. I watched him sit down with me and say, you better stay away from this stuff. And I watched me never follow that part of the downward spiral of sin. Why? Because my daddy set that example for me. Whatever your daddy did and your mama did and your cousin did and your friend did and your pals are doing doesn't have to be what you're doing. Stop with the wussy excuses. Okay? Better yet, let's go back to what we looked at last week. David knew this. This is what makes it even worse in my personal opinion. Go back to Psalm 51. I think we put it on the screen. Verses 12 and 13. Remember last week? We, we almost paused from the whole whole part to look at what he did while going through the restoration after losing a child, 12 and 13, he's praying to the Lord. Now he's writing this to God. Restore to me your salvation to me. Give me a willing spirit. Make me willing to do what? Here's what he wants to be willing to do. I will teach the rebellious, your rebellious ways, and I will teach the sinners to return to you. Huh. What'd you say? And he didn't do it evidently, right? If he'd have done Psalm 51, 12 and 13, would his boy be in the situation he's in right now? Maybe he did do it. Maybe he did it to those outside the home. Huh? Maybe he was so focused on, on other groups and other areas that he neglected his own family. How about let's men stop neglecting our own family first? How about, how about us as parents and families? Let's stop neglecting our own families first. Well, we ain't got kids yet. Well, scripture tells me to bathe your woman with the word of the Lord. Are you bathing over scripture? Just because you ain't got kids don't mean you ain't got church at the house. Your home is a church. Maybe the greatest church. But David said nothing. And I had to write this one down as a daddy of a daughter. And he didn't go out of his way to protect his daughter. We need some men that are willing to do all they can to protect their daughters. Men, you listen to me. Now, my daughter's not dating for 35 more years. But you better believe when 35 years come and I let the first little punk come over, 
If I'm old, wrinkly, and out of shape, I'm going to have all my guns laid out. And targets that I shot years ago before I lost my eyesight and I could hit some. How about interview them? I'm being serious. I want to look at every man here that I know has got a daughter. I'm looking at Joe. Looking at Duke. Who else got a daughter? I don't need anybody else. Brian? Looking at all of you, because I want you to understand, you interviewed a little punk that comes over. Now, he might not always be a punk. You might eventually start liking him. But in the beginning, he's a punk. Because he's got the same attitude and the same mindset you probably had when you was that age. Am I wrong? All right, Gary, don't think you was out of it. Mike, don't think you was out of it. Guy, don't think you out of it. I know Guy, you would. Guy sitting there with 70. You go to Guy's house, he got guns everywhere. Could you imagine the dude that comes over to sit down and talk about Katie Beth? Hey, could you reach behind that couch and hand me that nine? I will shoot you with that. And if that one don't work, if it jams, reach under the cushion on your left-hand side and pull that one out too. I've been to the man's house. He got guns everywhere, all right? We need that. We need some daddies that's going to step up to the plate and make sure what happens to tomorrow don't happen to our little girls. And if you ain't got a little girl, how about training your boys to be men? Now I'm looking at the rest of you, myself included, because I got my... How about let's just train our men when they get interviewed by a daddy that they know how to respond. And I ain't just talking about playing the game. I'm talking about genuine, true respect. I understand that she's got a name, that she's your daughter, that she may one day be my wife or somebody else's wife, that she may one day be the mother of my child or somebody else's child. Not a who's this woman? I'm here to pick up your girl. Huh? Let a punk come over to my house and say that. He will pit. Y'all will have to bail your pastor out of jail. I will knock his teeth out. I promise you. And if I'm too old to do so, I got two boys that I promise can do it. Right. That's why you have boys first. <laughs> we need more daddies, guys. I'm serious. Now, now, here's the sad but good thing I talked about. We don't get a lot about tomorrow, but we do get a little bit. Her noble character. She's obedient to her dad. No, notice this, this little next section. I don't have the verses. I guess we're what are we down to? I don't know what number eight. You should know because you're following along, right? She, she's obedient to her dad and she does what her dad told her to do. She goes over there. She, she takes the dough. She needs it. She, she makes the bread. She bakes it. She serves him and he refuses to eat. I don't want that person to feed me. I slapped a dog mess out of you, right? We ain't raising no wimps in our house. I'm going to tell you that right now. They might be bruised and beat up, but they're not going to be wimps, right? And then and, and, and this. Then this, he says this, send everyone out of here. Is there not a bell going off in this story? Is there not? A, somebody do the bell for me. My goodness, it ought to be a loud bell. Everybody do a bell. When God rings a bell, listen to it. Listen, what's going on? The bell shouldn't should have gone off. She's cooking the bread, but he won't eat. What in the world? He wants me to come to his bed and feed him? You eat in the kitchen. You do other stuff in the bedroom, right? Something's got to be up. Hear me, people. Trust your instincts. But too many of us want to throw out a spiritual thing. This is this is one I've heard before. Well, you know, God's going to watch over me. We say it with this virus. We say it with with, 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 with any other sickness. We say it with sin. We say it with, with, with protection and, and all this stuff. God's going to watch over me. They had about five guys. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose since they knew me or not. They come to the shop, they all wearing masks. Anyway, I went out to the parking lot, I was talking to one of them. He said, man, what if we was going to rob you with a mask on? 
I said, what if I pull out my gun and shoot you? I, I didn't say, I didn't say, I didn't say, God's going to watch over me. God's giving you a brain. God's giving you a brain. Do you understand that? Look at it. Maybe he's saying, use your brain and leave tomorrow. Get out of there. But she doesn't. Verses 12 and 13. She is wise enough to know how to argue the case. Don't, my brother. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done where we're at. We are God's people. This should not be going on. We got laws about this. Did you not read the Bible? Did you not read the scriptures? Has it not been taught to you? This should not be done here. Don't do this wicked thing. And what about me if you do it? What about the disgrace you'll pour upon me? And what about you? You'll be like one of the wicked fools. Please, please stop right now. Here is your way out and go talk to the king about this. Now, I don't know one of two ways when she says this. Surely he won't keep me from you. You got you got two options you can at. Maybe she's thinking, rather than you do this, Dad at least will make it right this way. Or maybe she's thinking, for God's sake, if he goes and talks to Daddy, he'll stop you. Right? Maybe she's thinking, for once, my dad that fought Goliath, surely he'll protect me if I can just get him to go talk, talk to him. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't care which way you really interpret it because it doesn't happen, right? Her message is clear. It's not going to be worth it. And for the first time in the whole story, since Jonadab didn't do it and David didn't do it, Amnon now sees the consequences of his choices right in front of him, laid out perfectly. How amazing would it be if you and I would make a list of the consequences of our choices before we fell into the temptation of sin and saw the way out? Wouldn't it be great? Amnon hatches this plot. He gets tomorrow alone and he rapes her. Scripture doesn't shy away from what happens. That's why I wanted to make sure we knew back with David and Bathsheba. I don't think it was a rape. I think it was a mutual thing. Plus, they stay married, and he continues to just have children with her, and that child ends up becoming the, the, the king. So it ends up being something positive out of something nasty. Okay? Not to make an excuse for him, just saying it wasn't this. It wasn't this. And here's what we see happening, unfortunately. You've got daddy's sin that just had lust. Now you've got son's sin that not only has lust and incest, but now you've got rape. You see how quickly daddy's sin can escalate? Right? In verse 15, here, 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 here's the reality. I think we've experienced it. We don't understand it when we read it this way. But we experience it. Verse 15, and he hated her. He hated her more than he loved her. Man, what, what is going on? I thought you loved her, dog. No, he lusted after her. And here's the reality of what happened. Verse 17, put this woman, now we're back to this woman again, that phrase, right? Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now, what does that imply? Not only is he putting her out like trash, if you got to bolt the door behind somebody, is he not trying to push the blame on tomorrow now? You see it? I saw it. Hold on. Now, what do you mean bolt the door behind her? Like, she's a girl. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you worried about? Bolt the door behind her. She was trying to get me. Is that what he's implying? I don't know. Maybe 100%, right? This This woman? He uses that phrase again, an object of pleasure. And here's here's what really happens, guys. Amnon, David's son, is repeating David's sin. The sin sown by the father is harvested in the child. The sin sown by the father is harvested in the child. If it's not dealt with. If it's not dealt with. Now, I share with you, I didn't follow my daddy's same sin. Why? Because my daddy dealt with it. And my daddy dealt with it in a godly way. Only time I ever seen my daddy break. Spiritually broken. Only time I ever seen him on his hands and knees crying. 
Only time since that day, I tell him, but you're getting softer and softer every day. Right? That's what the Lord would do to somebody, though. And that's a good way. I don't mean that in just a bad way. I'm picking on him about it, but he knows what I mean, right? So deal with it. Deal with it. Here's, here's the single-mindedness of this. David, only upon the example of his daddy. Now, not even if he knew about the lust, guys. What does he see? Well, daddy got multiple women. Even if he don't know about Sheba, what's he know? My daddy got lots of women. He got lots of children by lots of women. Right? So, so he knows about this thing, right? How about Exodus 20, verse 5? The iniquity of the fathers is carried out on the children to the third and fourth generations and so on and so on and so on. Wow. You want to know why your sin matters so much if it's not dealt with? Because it's going to continue to produce nasty veggies. Right? Right? A child is going to model not only their parents' sinful behavior, I think they're going to take it to the next level. If it's not dealt with. If it's not dealt with. What a difference 15 minutes can make in our lives, both spiritually and physically. Amnon got exactly what he wanted, but it was nothing he imagined it would be. Here's the reality of what just took place. He got exactly what he wanted, and the reason he hates her now more than he loved her, and the reason he wants to get her out is because guilt is now taking over him, and he realizes the fantasy he put up in his head did not happen in real life the way he thought it would. Men, it's why pornography and sexual sin is so dangerous. Because the fantasy you put up in your head is never lived out to the reality of life. Why? Because in your head, you can control the outcome. But in reality, guess what? You can't control the outcome. He goes through with it and he realizes, man, this was nothing like I thought it would be. Why? Because sin always promises more than it can deliver. It does. It's always more exciting in our heads than it is in reality. Right? He can't go back to verse 4 and say, I love her anymore. He has to be honest and say, I lusted after her. Because lust is often masqueraded as love. Right? He, he's certainly not the last person to do this. Fifteen minutes ago, he's begging her to go to bed. Now, now he won't try it. His guilt finally got him. But tomorrow, a woman, a character, we get to see that character just one more time. It's amazing how much you can get out of just a couple verses about a person, right? But look at this character. I'm not some toy you can use and throw away. You ain't going to put me out in the hallway like a piece of trash. Here's what scripture says. Woman knows the scripture. I love a woman that knows scripture, right? Right? Seriously, think about it. She says, sending me out is going to be the wrong, wrong, more wrong than what you've already done to me. The law is made away. What's the law say? You go back to Leviticus and Deuteronomy. You got to marry her and or pay a dowry now. By the way, if you have porch time with your children, explaining a dowry is about the most awkward thing you will ever do. Okay? If you know what a dowry really is, some of you are like, I don't know what a dowry is myself. Can we have porch time and you can teach me? Think about it. She's basically saying, look, 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 look. Don't throw me out. Like there's law required. You're either going to marry me and or you're going to pay this fine, right? But Amnon's not man enough to even expect responsibility for what happens. And he puts the blame on her. That's why I think, at least I think so. I don't know that, right? Now, here's what's sad. And women, please listen to me. And if you've got friends, if you're not one of the quarter or if you don't want to admit you're one of the quarter, please listen to me right now. You know somebody who is. Because this little, this little nugget of truth right here, I think I think it's awesome. I think it's significant. I think it's sad that it has to happen. But but here's what I love. Here's what I love. Tamar, a woman of character. She puts on her, she, she, she gets her clothes back on. She could have went down the hallway pretending nothing ever happened. She could have never told a soul about it. No one would have ever known. But she puts on her clothes and she tears the sleeves off. 
if you study the, the daughters, the virgin daughters of a king would have wore long sleeves. You know, that, that, that colorful robe, I think is what Ed's translation had, had it as, you know, to, to signify that. She tears them off. She pours the ash on her to sign of mourning, which they're allowed to do. And she has her hands on her head and she's crying. She's making a scene. She got her ugly cry going on. And it is sad to think about it. But here's what I love. Because you got to ask, why is she doing this? Because she wants to make sure that guy doesn't ever do it to another woman again. That's what I see. That's what I see. I see her making sure that he doesn't get away with no one ever knowing. So now everybody in the hallway knows about it. And the reality and the truth is what happens nowadays is too many times we give bad advice. Oh, baby, just keep quiet, right? I'm not, and, and to go to what Absalom says, I'm not entirely sure Absalom is saying, don't worry about it. Because when Jonadab talks to David later on, he says he's been plotting that for two years. I wonder, and I'm not saying he is, so let me stand like kind of in the middle, right? You know how I do. I wonder if Absalom was saying, tomorrow you're my sister. Bubba got this. Bubba going to take care of that. Right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, I believe that almost 100% to be honest with you if you're asking me my opinion. And here's why. He not only takes her to live with him, he takes care of her for the rest of her life. She dies living in his place. Right? And he also names his daughter after her. I think he loves sister. I think he took care of sister. Right? So, so I won't say that's what the Bible says. But it's strongly what I believe if you read all the evidence. Okay? Biblical wisdom. Remember, you got a brain. Use it. Okay? Alright? So, but here it is. Here's the bad advice we do. Too often our silence condemns future victims to their fate. And too often the world tries to tell girls what? Oh, if you just don't say nothing, no one ever know and they won't think less of you. I think it takes a strong woman or man. One at, but by the way, those, those stats, one out of four were girls, one out of six boys. One out of six. That's crazy. That's crazy, right? I think it takes a strong person to say, this is what was done to me, and this is how God recovered me from it. This is the plan that God has. Maybe heal, maybe, maybe nothing else from this sermon today other than realizing you can heal from something was for today. I don't know. Right? Maybe. And, and here's where it gets even sadder for me as a daddy. Tamar never even goes to David and tells him what happens. Now, David finds out because everybody in the palace knows by now, right? But she doesn't go to her daddy. I pray I never have an interruption in our relationship with my daughter where she doesn't feel like she can run to me the minute something happens. And she will know that daddy will take care of it. My, my girls are girls. And when I say my girls, I'm talking about my wife also. There was a cockroach last night. I'm serious. I'm serious. Don't laugh. I'm dead serious. We live in the country. Brian, Emily, y'all had cockroaches yet? Welcome to the country, brother. Right? That happens. That happens. There ain't no downtown Charleston. Ain't no city folk no more. We got cockroaches. We in the country. All right? That's what happens. My girls ain't touching no cockroach. They ain't, they ain't touching no cockroach. I watched one of the, the countryest, toughest women I know this morning over a dead cockroach over there. So y'all thinking, y'all thinking, oh, his house is dirty. Well, your church is dirty. Okay? Because there was one up in here too. Right? She, she about come off the stage going the other direction. Now, when she thought it was a frog, she was okay. Anyway. Anyway, my girls know they call daddy. Daddy going to take care of the cockroach, right? Even though I've tried lately to be a little slower to see if I can get them to. They ain't doing that. Uh-uh. They got the same attitude. No. Daddy going to come with a tissue or a shoe or something, and daddy going to take care of that thing. Took care of that one last night so good, they didn't even have to flush it. You know, you don't took care of one if you ain't got to flush it. 
Crystal said, he going to come back out in the trash can? No, baby. If he come back out the trash can after that, me and you both running. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got more problems than we thought we had, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. She knew she couldn't go to her daddy. Why? Because he let his children get away with so much. Constantly. His own daughter knows daddy ain't going to do nothing to him. Men. And your mama's playing men. In, in, a, in an unfortunate way because of the fall of humanity, whatever you want to call it, right? Do your little girls, do your kids, do your spouses, do, do they know that if they come to you, something will be done? Don't answer out loud, just answer. Do they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if they come to you with the problem, something's going to be done about it? Spiritually, spiritual advisors in the church. When lay people in the church come to you with a problem, do they know that something's going to be done about whatever it was, despite the consequence and despite the fear of what people are going to think? Do they know you're going to do the spiritual thing about it? If you can't answer that the right way, you might be in the wrong place. And if you can't answer that way, please better let me know because I want to make sure you're in the right place. All right. I'm serious. I'm serious. David gets angry, it says. One verse out of what are we on? Thirty nine. One verse out of thirty nine. David gets angry. That's all it says. The same David that killed Goliath can't deal with his own family matters. And here's another truth that troubles our homes that we see in David. We look the other ways when our sins and our kids sin. And unfortunately, if you ain't got kids or maybe you do have kids and this is you, you look the other way when your partner sins. We cannot turn a blind eye to sin. It's not spiritual. It's not biblical. It's not godly. We address it. It's awkward. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. But the solution is great. You get a praise report from it. Okay? We can't. When we look the other way, that's not a solution. When you look the other way, here's like that's fuel to a fire. I, I, I hear women all the time say, well, I kind of thought he was running around. I kind of thought he was doing this. And I kind of thought he was doing that. And like, why didn't you address it sooner? Why did you let the bonfire explode? Or, or mamas. I, I will never forget this one. This is no lie. When we were back at the manor house, talking about parents being idiots. When we were back at the manor house, we got robbed. We got robbed. They wasn't in the country. They were in the city, so they thought they'd get away with it. Right? They know they don't get away with it in the country, so it don't happen here. We got robbed at the manor back at the bookstore. Cops finally find this, this little punks, this, 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 this Abnon, Amnon and, and, and his cousin, right? They in the, they in the trailers right across the street. That time I'm youth pastor, so so Pastor Tim says, hey, you want to come with me? The cops ask us to see if we can identify any of our stuff. So I walk in this trailer, and, and I'm not being mean by any way. I don't care how what kind of trailer you live in. But this trailer probably wasn't worth $1,000, being dead serious. I just want to set the tones. You got to understand it, right? The, the clothes they're wearing, the clothes mama's wearing, had to be from either Goodwill or she got them at Walmart 50 years ago. I'm not being mean. Again, I'm trying to make sure you understand the scene. I walk. In Ding Dong's room, that's the best word I can give him. This cat got nicer stuff than I got in my house now. He got shoes that I couldn't afford now. He got clothes he wearing I couldn't afford now. He got systems and, and, and stuff he's selling. He, he's, he's got more stuff than you could ever imagine piled in a 10 by 10 square. And I kind of start laughing. And the cop tells me. Sir, does that mean none of this stuff is yours? I said, oh, no, all my stuff's right there. All of it, right there in that little section. He got it nice and neat and organized, ready to sell. He said, then why are you laughing? I said, how in the world does his mama not know what he's doing? 
So we walk outside and the cop says, that's a great question. I don't know how the cop ain't thought of that either, by the way. So the expectations of cops went down that day, just so we're clear. He goes out in the living room. Mama ain't got up off the couch yet. Setting the tone so you understand the people we're dealing with. And he looks at her and says, ma'am, how did you not know by all the stuff in the room what your boy was doing? Oh, I thought he got a nice job. Yeah, selling dope on the street. Huh? Stealing stuff and selling it. Parents, we can't be oblivious to what our kids are doing when we aren't those fuel on the fire. What if mama would have just said the first day come home with all that new clothes on and said, baby, now we're not as blessed as other people. And there's not a problem with that. But I need to know how you got five hundred dollar shoes and a hundred dollar jacket and a two hundred dollar pair of jeans on. Use your head. Or maybe when he come toting in the seventy five inch TV into a trailer that ain't seventy five inches long. Maybe she should have said, baby, how'd you get that TV? Or Leroy gave it to me, mama. Maybe she should have said, let's see where Leroy got it. Right? Use your head. God's given, maybe the whole point of this passage is you understand God gave you a brain. Right? You got a brain. What's the one in the rainbow that ain't got a brain? The tin man? Scarecrow. I knew you would know. I, I never doubted if anybody else didn't know, I knew Carla would know which one from the rainbow. Wizard of Oz. It ain't even called the rainbow. It's called Wizard of Oz. Let's get back to this. A man, a man never sees worse of himself until it reappears in his children. I think that was C.S. Lewis. I don't get credit for that one. Two years go by. I'm going to wrap up the end fast, I promise. Two years go by because the end prolongs in the next five chapters. Okay, so I'm not going to cut you short. I'm just going to give it to you quick. Two years go by. David never dealt with the situation, which is not a solution. you got to wonder the disappointment at Absalom, right? Can you imagine growing up and your daddy was the one that killed Goliath and everybody knows? I mean, you think they play this? I'm being dead serious. I don't mean to get off on a tangent. But you think like they played games of like David and Goliath and when he was with his friends, Absalom was like, that's my dad. That's my dad right there. Right? Now, I, I know I know none of you are like me, but I, I give like some stories sometimes about the high school years with my boys. And they're starting to call me out on some of it. But I still enjoy doing it. Right? And, and I kind of ad-lib maybe a little bit more than how awesome I really was. You want to live back in them days, right? Instead of like 3.30 on the bench, it was like 3.65. And instead of running like a 4.6, it was like a 4.2. You know, me and Deion Sanders, we ran together for a long time. Oh, uh, you know, you ad-lib a little bit of that. And then they get smart and they're like, well, Dad, if you was that awesome, why you ain't in the pros? <laughs> Baby, I got bad knees. I got a bad back. <laughs> Your mama trapped me. <laughs> right? But I wonder now, you think now, if we do that, don't you think David did that? Don't you think when they was playing with a little man and Absalom come home with his friends, he was toting little David and big old Goliath, his little toy action figures. He said, Dad, I got to ask you, is this really you? Don't you think David said, son, I was nine. Dad, I thought you was 15. No, I was nine. And I threw a rock so hard with only two fingers. And it got that giant right in the head, knocked him out. And I walked on over there and I ripped his head off. I didn't even use the sword. Dad, that ain't the way I heard it. I heard you was 15. You had a slingshot. You hit him from a distance. And then you went over there while he was knocked out and cut his head off since he couldn't move at the moment. Well, that might be what happened, son. But let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't, don't you think like, like that, 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 that could have been part? Uh, what's going on? The giant slayer? And now he, he can't even do nothing with his own family? 
What, what, what was, what was Absalom really thinking? How disappointed did he have to be in his, in his own dad? And now let's get it to us. How come we can do so much for others, but we can't do for our own family? Let's apply it spiritually. How come we try to do for so much for those outside the walls of the church, but we don't do nothing for inside the walls of the church? Right? Because sometimes we'll sugarcoat some of this stuff to make it sound good. Yeah, but look at what we're doing out there. How about let's look at what we're doing inside? Because here's the reality. A problem outside your family will make you stronger. But a problem inside your family makes you weaker. And that, that's, what, that's what's happening. they got an internal problem that's going on. So Absalom comes up with this solution after two years of plotting on it. He goes, oh, it's sheep shearing season. Right? We're going to throw a party. He says, Dad, I want you to invite all your, all your people. I want you all to come on. And his dad says, you know what? We, we're not going to listen to that music y'all listen to. We're not going to do what y'all do. But we, we okay with it. You're like, y'all, y'all do what you're going to do and, and had a party. And he says, but, Dad, if you're not going to come, which, by the way, I wonder, I told the boys last night, I wonder if this was part of what's going to happen in chapter 15, by the way. Show you how evil Absalom really might have been. I don't know. If you don't know about chapter 15, you have to come back for two more weeks. I know that's a crying shame to you, right? So, so, but he says, Dad, if you're not going to come, can you make sure my bubble comes? You know, Amnon, I ain't talked to him good or bad for two years. Shouldn't a bell have gone off in David's head? Where's the bell again? Shouldn't a bell have gone off? Shouldn't a bell have said that there must be a problem here? He ain't talked to him in two years, but he wants him to come to this party. He even gets a little bit smarter. David gets a little bit smarter this time. He says, why in the world would he come to the party? And I don't even know what answer Absalom gives, but, but he gets him coming. Gets him coming so much that he go, the king goes back, David goes back, tells Amnon, your brother Absalom's having a party, he wants you to come. Amnon, here's what I believe, is so conceited and so prideful, he's got to come. Because if he don't come, he looks like the punk, right? He, he's so blinded, here's what also I believe, that he chooses to believe that what he did years ago, he's in denial, was no big deal. Right? There's no way he can show his face again. And maybe he gets there, and the sin maybe has a, a way of clouding our judgment that way. He even gets there, and maybe in the beginning he's a little cautious, looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. But you know when you get to a party and they got that grape juice, that kind of changes the way you handle stuff, right? So he's at this party, he gets his grape juice, and, and, and uh, Absalom's already told his, told his men, don't do it when he first gets here, because he'd be, he'd be weary. But after he gets, you know, a little tipsy, after he gets feeling a little good, after he gets a rocking and swaying, we're going to surround him when I call it out, and y'all going to take care of business on him. Stab him, take care of him, kill him. So, so that's what happens. That's exactly what happens. He goes to the party. He gets surrounded by the men because he finally gets a little tipsy. He gets stabbed. He's laying there in his own pool of blood. And I, and I just wonder, at that moment, maybe did he finally realize it just wasn't worth it? Some of you right now are hearing that phrase, it just wasn't worth it. I wonder right now if you're thinking, the sin I'm committing just isn't worth it. What started as harmless temptation, which ran into some bad advice, which refused to consider the consequences, which went ahead and, and, and took what wasn't ours, results in a lying in a pool of blood with no escape. Maybe they're finally beginning to understand it just wasn't worth it. And I can't help but think, man, someone getting drunk and someone being murdered, is this not exactly what David did with the Hittite, Uriah? Got him drunk, sent him on his way. Didn't work, so he sent him out. The sin sown by the fathers harvested in the son. Verse 29, so the servants did as they were told to do. Sin has got its consequences. Sin has got its consequences. I, I just want to point out, this, this chapter is right after chapter 12 where David is told, you're forgiven, you're not going to die, you're not going to get the punishment that is just for you, 
But there is going to be consequences. And one of them is what? The sword shall never depart from your house. Well, we see that happen in just a little bit right now. We're going to see it happen for five more chapters. Your, your child with Bathsheba is going to die. We already seen that happen. And your wives are going to make you humiliated because they're going to be slept with and violated like you did Bathsheba, which we'll see happen in, in just short, short time. Right? David commits adultery, made your eye drunk, murdered him. Amnon, his son, commits incest, gets drunk, and then gets murdered. Verse 30. Verse 30. I'm going to skip over a couple of these in. Verse 30. While they were on the way, a report reached David. All your kids are dead. Here's what stuck out to me. Two things. One, my kids notice this. They shouldn't be so quick to believe rumors and gossip. Proud of them. Truth. Right? Here's what I noticed, though, as a dad. David didn't react with any news of disbelief. He instantly goes into weeping and tearing his clothes off. I would hope if somebody ran at me and said, man, Paxson done killed Reese. No, man. Ain't no way. Right? I mean, wouldn't that be a natural reaction, I hope? I, mean, I, I would hope, right? You, you got five. Is that a reaction you would? Hey, my boy would do that. Right? Ain't gonna happen. How evil did Absalom have to be then? For his dad did not have any disbelief about what he did. Not even that he killed one, but that he killed them all. Right? Verse 36. Verse 36. Just as he act like, oh, I'm sorry. Just as he finished speaking, the king's sons entered and wept loudly. The king and all his servants also wept bitterly. David is finally doing what is okay to do. He's weeping over the loss of a son. Yet the loss of this son is because he had a lack of doing what he should have done about the murder or uh, about the rape. So, so my thing is, what if David had just administered some biblical correction according to Exodus 22, 16 and 17, Deuteronomy 22, 28 and 29? Maybe then Absalom wouldn't have felt that he had, the, had to administer this correction himself, right? Maybe Absalom could have had a change of heart and he might not have had to do what he did if daddy would have just took care of it. See what happens when you leave something undone and you choose to ignore it? It leads to worse. Verse 39 says, and King David longed to go to Absalom. Three years he mourned the death of a son. Then for, for two years he, 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 he longs to go to his son. He has the same indulgence toward Amnon that he had toward, or, uh, the same indulgence he had toward Amnon was the same thing he repeated in Absalom. It, just a lack of doing nothing. And I underword the word longing for because longing for isn't enough. We can't just long for something. We got to do more. We got to do it. We, we got to actually get involved in it. And the placement of this text has shown me that these are personal consequences because David refused to deal with stuff. And we see that this sin started as a forbidden fruit, something so small, something that was private, and then quickly grew into something greater. Sin never pays. The price tag is always much greater than it's worth, right? Maybe you could say it this way. It's easier to stay out than to get out. It's easier to stay out than to get out. Then you look at another lesson, the passivity here towards sin but both by a cousin and by a dad. I think it makes them just as guilty. We, we see that what sin separates. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, we know sin separates us from God. It does. But look how much deeper this gets. It separates us from people. Go back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they brought separation from God. Shortly after, Cain and Abel are separated from one another. Shortly after, sin separates Joseph from his brothers. Shortly after, sin divided David's family. Sin separated Amnon and Tamar. Uh, uh, Amnon and Absalom. And then David and Absalom. 
and eventually the whole nation gets separated because there's a civil war that's going to break out in a couple chapters. You see the separation that's taking place? You can say it this way. Sin is the root of disunity and division. Anytime there's disunity and division coming, sin was involved. Maybe maybe a small lesson is this. Two more little small ones i got to make sure we get. Is that maybe everything we call love isn't necessarily love. Maybe we need to be more careful with that word. Right? I love her. I love him. Do you really? Do you really? Weigh it out. Weigh it out. Amnon thinks he's in love. He's not in love. He thinks love is synonymous with sex. There's a difference. There's a difference. Amnon's love would have never stood the test of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I didn't get on it, but girls and guys alike, please hear me right now. This is a lesson in it. The sexual purity is something to be prized and protected. We see that in this. Sexual purity is something to be prized and protected. I didn't get to harp on it long, but you should go back and check it out. Right? Sadly, the last lesson, which I spilled to you in the middle right there, is they got a failure to ask God for help. Five years. You got the three years of mourning and the two years of being away from his son. So you got five years. Five years. David does nothing. What? Why didn't he cry out to God for how to handle the situation? Why would a man after God's own heart not be wise enough to say, I need to seek God and figure out a solution to this before it continues to go down the road it's going to go down? I would tell you, I wonder how long it took him, but it takes him a long time because he's got a lot of turmoil he's going to deal with for the next five chapters. Stop waiting. Stop hiding. Stop conceding. Stop covering up. Get open and honest before God and seek out God's solution for your problems, whatever they are. Stop giving bad advice to people who need spiritual advice. Stop taking bad advice. Stop seeking bad advice from those you shouldn't be and seek out God's. Because if we don't stop whatever we're dealing with now, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. But it doesn't have to. It does not have to. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so grateful that it doesn't have to. God, that it doesn't have to continue to get worse day after day. That it doesn't have to get sadder sadder the more we go on. Lord God, help us to seek you right now. God, make us. Father God, right now, open our minds and our hearts and our eyes to see whatever sin we haven't dealt with. Whether it be personally or in our families. God, make today a day of revival, Lord God. A day where we're going to do something different that we haven't done. We're going to address things your way. We're going to deal with things your way so that they don't get worse. God, help us to realize it just isn't worth it. And God, help those that have been through it to understand that we can recover from it. God, that there's a there's a future king in our line that you've lined up, Lord God, because you are great and your mercy is wonderful. Lord, we love you. We lift you up, God. God, I pray that you you finish this thing right now, Lord God, in the hearts of your people. In your great name we pray. Amen.